Hey everyone, it's AJ here from Sports Chaplaincy South Africa. In this week's podcast, we speak to Vice Captain of our SA Men's Hockey Team, Keenan Horn. It's a refreshing conversation with an elite athlete that has achieved the pinnacle in his sport, representing SA at the Olympics, a World Cup, Commonwealth Games, playing pro in Europe, and he's a Nations Cup champ. Yet he knows the reality of being a pro athlete and pursued academics and a career beyond sport while still at his sporting peak. Keenan explains that the Despite all these achievements, he had no handouts growing up, considers himself an underdog and how that drives him. It's an inspiring talk with Bruce Naden unpacking other important aspects of his everyday life like understanding his why and God's will for his life versus just merely pursuing his own personal ambitions. Enjoy and give us a punt on your socials. Reach us on any podcast platform of your choice like Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Podbean or Google Podcasts. We are the Call Up Podcast where faith meets sport and life. The Call Up Podcast where faith meets sport and life. This is brought to you by Sports Chaplaincy South Africa. Delighted to be joined today on uh, the latest edition of the Call Up podcast by Keenan Horn. I'm especially delighted because you've just got off the plane just a few days ago, having competed for the South African men's hockey team at the World Cup in India. And in a few days' time, you're flying off to France to continue your, your, your club career and your legal career there. So it's been a huge rush for you so I'm incredibly grateful that we've been able to find this window of opportunity um so thanks so much for joining us Keen. yeah yeah thanks for for being here. it's an honor to you know to get the call from you to be involved with call up so I'm excited and yeah I'll make time for you anytime uh, that's great that's great to hear I hope others are as keen as you are uh, in the future but you got a pretty impressive CV if you don't mind me saying you're an Olympian You've uh, competed at the Commonwealth Games, as we've just heard, uh, the World Cup uh, finals. Uh, you're the vice captain of the, the, the National Pro Tiers uh, side in field hockey. I might need to say that because we have got a small but growing audience in Canada and Scandinavia, and they're big on their ice hockey. So yeah. I better make it clear that this is field hockey. Not only that, but you've got a master's degree in law. Uh, not 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 uh, too shabby because it was cum laude at uh, Stellenbosch University. Uh, you're now practicing law alongside your hockey career, and you're probably embarrassed that I'm saying all of this. And you're now engaged uh, to Kendra, and you're only 30 years of age, so you've packed a lot in, a lot of achievement in a, a relatively short space of time. And I'm sorry if I'm embarrassing you here. <laughs> so this is probably going to be a really yeah. tough question. Okay. Um, but with all of that said, all of those achievements, can you just name one or two highlights in your career? Sure. When you when you say it like that, it sounds like a lot of things that I've done, and I still. When's the like book I'm, coming out? <laughs> still feels like I have so much to do. Um, yeah, I guess first of all, the the biggest achievement is obviously um, getting Kendra to say yes to to be engaged to me. To be my future wife. So. I just need to point out because nobody can see this. She's actually in the studio with us. Yeah, so. I wish I could see her smile. So she's <laughs> as happy as I am. Um, and then probably the, the second one. Um, it's hard to separate the sport from the academic side. Um, so it's really hard to to pick and choose. But I would have to go like Olympics and then completing my masters because education 
from with my background, you know, education was a tool to sort of, you know, make a living, you know. So that was what my parents, what their foundation was built on, you know. And then on the sporting side, um, as a South African, you know, you want to be playing at the highest level, representing your country. So, and I also know with, with being an Olympian, it was a dream since like playing hockey. Um, so I can't separate those two, unfortunately. Uh, yeah, I, yeah, and I guess I guess anybody who who um, has ability at a sport that is represented at the Olympics dreams, and they have that moment. Yeah. What was it like? Obviously, it got delayed for a year uh, from twenty twenty because of COVID to twenty twenty one. Just just tell us a little bit about that experience. I think it was a blessing that it got delayed for me because um, you know I broke my foot in September twenty nineteen, and the the team wasn't be announced in I think January or February of 2020. So I had a big rush to get back to be fit. Um, and, you know, I managed to, to get fit in time, but not where I wanted to be. Um, so it gave me a chance to sort of get stronger. Um, and actually, COVID gave me a chance to finish my master's. <laughs> so this is the first time <laughs> I had absolutely nothing to do, but like to train at home and to... So some so some of us are going, oh, COVID. And the other people are going, yes. <laughs> yeah, so, you know, the, the Lord's work. Um, but yeah, just... Going to the, the Olympics was, was super surreal. Um, I mean, the first one I wa- really, really watched was the 2008 Beijing Games. Um, and from that moment, I said, that's where I want to be. You know, that's what I want to do, um, to be surrounded by all that greatness, you know, mm. the, the athletes that you get to watch on TV. Um, but it's also so humbling, you know, that you get to have this this opportunity to, to be there. I mean, the way you treated over there, you just looked after so well. You know, in our sport, it's amateur in, in South Africa. So when you go there, it's like you feel really, really professional and well looked after. And you're just like, this is how it's meant to be. But at the same breath, you're taking it in because you feel so privileged and honored to to be there. So, yeah. So I'm very blessed to have had that experience. Yeah, no, definitely. So when we were chatting prior to this, I, I asked you, you know, if you were to describe your story in one word, what word would you use? Um, underdog. That was the one I, I used, if I remember correctly. So if we were writing your book, it would be underdog, you know. Uh, wh- why do you say that? Because people, people might hear what we've just said, you know, your CV, many achievements both in sport and in your relationships and in, in academia. Um, what makes it an underdog story? You know, there's a there's probably a lot of sporting stories of underdogs, but I look at it holistically, being an underdog. So my entire life, um, not that I've had a terrible life, per se, but just um, you know working hard for everything. You know, everything was earned; it wasn't given. Mm. Um, you know, I didn't go to the top schools in the Western Cape. I went to a co-ed school, uh, Settlers High School, which is a good school in its own right. But that also made me a balanced person, you know, with my academics, my culture, my my sport. Um, so, you know, growing up, I had my maths teacher coaching me, you know. Not 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 a qualified coach. No, not a qualified coach. And that was for all my sports codes, you know, um, athletics, rugby, cricket, hockey. Um, so there was a real desire and will that I, that I needed to do the things, you know, I needed to take it into my own hands. You know, that's how I felt. And obviously my parents' support and backing. Um, so, yeah, what I'm trying to say is basically, like, I've had to work hard and earn the things that I have. Um, not that I'm floating it out there. It's just I know it's part of my journey, you mm-hmm. know. And that's what's, I think that's the most humbling thing, 
is mm. that nothing was just given to me on a, on a platter. Um, even going to Stellenbosch University, the decision came because like I got a bursary to, to play hockey. My parents both had to study at UWC. My brothers went to UWC, so they didn't have the opportunities, my parents, to go to Stellenbosch or UCT. So I wanted to break those barriers. Um, and yeah, that's why I say it's sort of a underdog. Like, that fuels me. You know, yeah. that's the that's thing that keeps me going, thinking that I don't necessarily deserve anything. I need to work for it. Yeah. So, so you didn't always have access to the best facilities yeah. or the best coaching, but actually you used that as motivation. Yeah. To, to You leveraged that as motivation well, to drive you forward. At the time, I didn't think of it like that, you yeah. know. But, um, you know, when, you, when you're playing, like, for example, in a B team, you know, you're sort of the underdogs going, you know. I was fortunate enough to make the Western Province under 13 A-team hockey. And therefore, like, I was in the system. But I still felt like I never belonged because I wasn't at a Rondebosch or Bishops or Weinberg. So I still felt like I had to earn myself, you know, or earn my position. Um, but being in those positions, like, I looked back and I thought, like, you know, why do I do that? And I realized, you know, it's sort of like an underdog thing. You know, the underdog mentality is like by hook or crook, you, you get to where you need to be. You know, and it's not always beautiful, it's messy. And uh, people always see your achievements, but they don't see what you've been through to get there. Absolutely. And that's why when you use the word underdog, it sort of puts it a little bit in context that there's graft and hard work behind it. Yeah. And, and I'm sure there's graft and hard work behind the stories of those who went to better schools. But of course, you know, there's that investment of, of coaching, yeah. the quality of facilities that does give you an advantage at times. Yeah, no, of course. Um, yeah, and as I said, that's one of the things that it was sort of built on, you know. So how has is, how is your faith motivated that drive in your sport? It's, you know, every year, season in your life, you go through a different journey and you sort of focus on, um, you know, you get a certain scripture or you, you get a certain word in your season and when I think about underdog I think a lot about um, the grace that God has given me because I look at it as like I don't deserve these things you know we are undeserving mm. you know but where people fall short of understanding that grace is probably a comparison yeah you know you compare yourself to someone else's financial position or someone else's where they are in their life in terms of their career or their work or the relationships with people or how many friends they have. Um, so I think like everything is about grace, you know, God, I don't deserve these things, but God yet he just keeps placing it there. And when you have a relationship, I think like growing, growing with my, in my relationship with Christ, it's sometimes you just like, you break down and think like, how did I do this? I'm like, I'm still a sinner. Does that make sense? No, I'm not perfect. In other words, that's what I'm trying to say. I'm not perfect, but I want these things. But like, because I know who I should be living for, yet Christ still gives me these things. And I'm like, wow. It's all gift, but, right? Yeah. And I'm, you know, and I think about it now, I'm like, it's so emotional to think about because yeah. I don't reflect that. Or I do reflect often, but just to voice it out loud, it's it's hard to put into words, you know, how humbling it is, what he, what he does for you on a daily basis. Um, and you know, everyone looks at the end product, but things happen every single day. Every single day contributes to what people see written next to your name, whether it's LLM or Cum Laude. It started on day zero. Mm. It didn't start when that mock came out. Yeah. Um, to be 
truth be told, I was just trying to pass my masters. <laughs> I, was, I was so stressed about that just to get through. Um, but that's just God's touch, you yeah. know. Um, and there's probably another story when I wrote my board exams um, to qualify. Um, I didn't write it in my first year of articles. So you get four chances to write four board exams. You can write it in March, August, your first year, or March and August. So you can split them up. Um, but something inside of me, like I did, I couldn't write it in August the first year because I went to Olympics, couldn't study. And then I decided to sign up for all four of my board exams to write. And they're over two days. So you write yeah. two in one day and then the next day you write the next two. Um, and I decided to write all four in March last year. Mm. But knowing full well that I needed to finish my articles earlier because I knew there was like something that I needed to do. You know, mm. I, I couldn't be cooped up till December in this firm because I knew there's something bigger. Mm -hmm. So I just trusted God. Just ended up like while on tours, studying these. And I just like knew after every paper, like I'm not going to be stressed, even though like people fail these things all the time. And there are four chances to write it. Like I know that God wants me to write all four. I need to trust him. And everyone's like, you're crazy. Uh, but I'm like, you know what? What's the worst that can happen? You know, if you don't try, <laughs> you can just write it again. But it's still knowing that, like, I just need to do what I need to do and you will yeah. do the rest. You know, sometimes we forget about that. You still need to do what you need to do. Um, yeah, and I ended up passing all four um, when it came out. But I knew it, I had so much peace in my heart when I left that exam room. Um, and I phoned Kendra, like, afterwards. I remember I was sitting in traffic and I was like, yeah, I passed all four. Like, yeah. because God said I should write all four. Yeah. You know what I mean? And, you, and, and, and you do what you can. Yeah. And then God does what yeah. you can't. But that's not even the end of the story. When I woke up, like, when the results came out a couple of months later, my paper three mark was not there. <laughs> I was like, okay. <laughs> I was like, 10 o'clock at night, my colleagues messaged me, like, did you get your result? And I was like, oh, my word. Why must this happen to me? Like, paper one, two, and four passed. Paper four just has a blank space. And I know I did not fail this thing. Just turned around in my bed and I started praying. <laughs> like praying so hard. Like, God, like, what is ever happening here? Just lay your hand over it. Um, <laughs> and I was sitting in court the next day because I had a court appearance. Um, and my first time in the regional court as well because I had to be second year to appear in the regional court because that's like when you have opposition. So I'm stressed about this opposition thing and I'm sitting in the courtroom and I'm emailing the legal practice council. I'm like, I'm very distraught about this that my paper is missing, like there's no mark there. Like I signed the registers like four times and, and they just sent me a message saying, sorry, uh, you passed. Like, <laughs> Job done. Yeah, so, done. but that's just another form of like, you know, God's work and like how my faith has grown throughout um, mm -hmm. my journey and just, it sort of becomes easier. But the point of that is like, even though you think you're there, there's always something that will try and break you down or grow your faith. You know, and you just have to be how do you How do you balance all of this? I, I mean, anybody who's who's played sport at the highest level knows yeah. that there's an incredible level of commitment that goes in. And now here you're talking about doing, you know, probably, probably some of the hardest study, I think, available to yeah. ed, or anybody to take on. You know, that's legal study, you know. <laughs> and you've got relationships, Yeah. you know, not, not least of which is your, your relationship with Kendra, you know. Yeah. How do you... You know, how have you balanced all of that? Yeah, I must say Kendra's very patient, first of all. <laughs> it does help having a partner that also loves sports because if I have to go train, then she'll come with me. Um, but I guess, 
the biggest thing was um, it's just when you have a desire and a will, mm-hmm. you know, and we, when you sort of know what your purpose is and why you're doing what, if you have a why, I think that's a big yeah. thing. If you know why you're doing what you're doing, it becomes easier uh, because there are times when you don't want to wake up and train or do what you need to do. But I know if, like, you know, the one pastor at CRC once said, like, other people's blessings are wrapped up in what you do. You know, and that hit me. Mm. If I don't do what I do, you know, there might be people out there that might suffer one day because I'm not, you know, doing what I need to do. Because what my plans are for my life for to influence their lives. And maybe know. thousands of people are listening to this podcast now. Yeah, I hope so. <laughs> but I just feel like I have a lot of what I, my journey is... A lot of people are going to be blessed from from what I need to do. Not to sound like arrogant or something, but that's the influence on I have for Christ. So I need to do what He needs me to do. And Absolutely, that's and we're and we're called to to you know we're blessed to be a blessing. Yeah. So you know you do what you can. You know you're blessed in that process, yeah. and 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 God blesses others through that. I yeah. think there's 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 real wisdom um, in that. But one of one of the challenges you would have faced in all of this balancing is that there are times when you're away for long periods maybe on tour with the national team um, and I know there have been times when you've been playing uh, club uh, hockey in other parts of the world not least being the UK Um, you know being being in a a long-term relationship that's heading towards marriage how, how easy has it been for you to to navigate that because that can be a real challenge when you're away from yeah. your 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 most committed relationship. Yeah, I mean it's it's not really easy and sometimes you as a sportsman you think about your sports career a lot and like how you want to progress. But the older you get and the longer you're in that relationship you almost feel selfish as well. <laughs> and it's, it sounds weird but and it really takes an understanding partner, I guess, a lot of patience. Um and it also helps like for a long time in the beginning, Kendra was also studying um, and had her own things going on. So it made it easier. So I wasn't just abandoning her that she has nothing. She just sits at home. Um, and that's the nature of our sport, I guess, is that we are amateur sports. So like Kendra is also focused on her career, you know, and that also helps. But I mean, just from a emotional side, you obviously need support and you need your loved ones close. Um, so if like... I, Kendra and I are totally different in terms of the emotions where like if I'm going through a tough time, sometimes I go quiet where if she's going through a tough time, she needs me to be there, mm. you know? And then that's the times where like when you're on tours that you feel helpless a lot, um, that you can't be there properly. And um, obviously it gets long, but I guess when you, when your partner shares in your goals and your ambitions, you know, that makes it a hell of a lot different. Yeah. And I also, I also think she knows, or I hope she knows that my intentions of what I do is not purely just for me. And that makes it easier. Mm. You know, she understands what I want to achieve from my life uh, long term. And she knows that she's a part of that. Um, so it does make it a little bit easier, even though it's not always easy to make the decisions and in the mm. moment. But when you reflect on it, it, it does help, you know, when you share that, that purpose. Yeah, I think that's that's key, isn't it? Yeah. Having those, that common vision, common values, particularly yeah. when it's built on a relationship with Christ, and, mm. and and it doesn't mean you don't have to work things out together, but actually knowing, 
You know, God yeah. has a purpose for you and that you're pursuing that together, even if you were apart for, for yeah. part of that. That actually helps make, make sense of it, helps mm. you to to navigate it. So that's that's great. You, you, you said to me in the past that uh, actually being on tour is one of the times when you feel most connected to God. And a lot of people might find that a little bit strange. Surely you know, being at home around the familiar, you know, that, that would be the time when you feel most connected. But it's actually on tour often you, you said that you felt most connected with God. Yeah, the, the reason why I probably say that is because you just mentioned in the, the start of this uh, recording that I've been so busy and I do this and I do that, I don't juggle everything. And tours are actually the time when I do the least. You know, I'm just training, eating, <laughs> sleeping and then having time to spend time with God. So that's, and also it's such a high strung environment. It's just like sport is obviously everyone's on edge with performances and, mm. and everything. Of course, there is the enjoyment factor with your, with your teammates, but you're so focused on your performances. And I know like, again, it's like, you know, I know Christ, as I told you, like great is he that is in me than he's in the world. And I don't sort of rely on myself alone when I'm on the field. Mm. You know, I sort of really dig deep into him and his words and wisdom for me um, during my time on tour. Because I, obviously you want to be the best, but it's being a Christian athlete is hard. Because if you don't yeah. perform well, you ask why. You know, where's God? You ask those <laughs> questions. Yeah. You know, when you're younger, you you often ask yourself, where's God in this moment? But yeah, like you just grow and the more time you spend with him, you know, you just ask for his will, um, you know, and you just try to honor him as best as you can. And, and I think that's the, the part. And you still have those fights, you know, when you have a relationship with God, you still have those like coming off the field feeling like I could have done better, like, you know, so it's, it's just raw and it's natural. And, but you still, that's my time where I can really dig deep. And, you know, sometimes it does remarkable things when I'm on tour, and he tried to take those past victories into the next tour, mm. you know? Like, sometimes I just feel like I'm going to score a goal. And I'll, funny enough, the last two tours, I, like, when I was being on the physio bit, I told the physio, I'm going to score today. And, like, just because I had that peace, you know, mm. I knew what he had lined up for me. And, like, the physio, like, the first physio, like, in, when we had our Nations Cup victory, he was like... Yeah, you said you were going to point at me when you score, you didn't. And I was like, oh, sorry, man, I was pointing up. You know? <laughs> and the second physio, like now in at the World Cup when I scored, she was like, maybe you must tell me after, before every game you're going to score. <laughs> Unfortunately, that was the second last one that I told her. <laughs> so, well, maybe the Holy Spirit didn't tell you in the other yeah. occasions, so you better not. So. so that's why I feel like I can connect better when I'm on tour. To put it into context for you, when I was working at Mosul and Bosman in Tiger Valley doing my articles, there was times when I had to wake up at like quarter past five to go to the gym before work, then work from eight till 4.30. Then like sometimes I slept in my car until like quarter to five. No, sorry, not quarter to five, till like half past five. And then having to drive to Athlone for training at 6.30 because I couldn't go home because, you know, the petrol driving home in traffic yeah. and then driving back to Athlone. So a lot of people don't realize that you know i used to park at virgin active and just sleep in the car there or whatever the case may be so there wasn't always a lot of time and what i sort of turned to is listening to podcasts actually so dr miles monroe uh, the late dr miles monroe he has some awesome sermons so i just used to tune into him when i'm waiting before training you can listen to yourself one day <laughs> no that sounds so vain <laughs> not at all 
I've I've I probably I've never listened to a podcast back before that I've spoken. So I well, I'll make sure you listen to this. But yeah, the, so that's why I say um, tours are the time where I have the most calmness in terms of all the rush, and maybe I don't manage my time effectively to make enough time for for Christ in mm. between all the hustle and bustle, and that's something I probably still struggle with i guess i think many of us do you know yeah how to to find how to almost find sabbath rest and rhythm yeah in the midst of the busyness of life i think that's a challenge for for many of us that might be a podcast with somebody in the future that's what covid was yeah absolutely COVID gave us time eh? it did if you used it effectively that is absolutely it was an opportunity really to to stop and stand still and say okay lord yeah where are you you know so what next what next? Yeah, I've been really lucky to get this opportunity in France. Of course, you know, I still have ambitions with the national team. I don't think I'm I'm done yet, but I also have appreciation that I can't keep playing in South Africa. The idea was by finishing my articles earlier last year, I was looking for what opportunity to arise overseas. I was looking at Germany playing over there, you know, and this French one just came about where they contacted me and, and they said, like, this club is trying to push themselves in the European Hockey League, so like the Champions League of Hockey, they want to qualify for and really build a powerhouse in, in Paris, leading to Paris 2024 yeah. because the, the French hockey team is their first time in the Olympics, so they're trying to boost their league. And as well as that, I fit the profile of the biggest law firm in France sort of sponsors them so they can get wow. me a job like after a couple of interviews, of course, if the, if the company wants me, <laughs> they would pay for my accommodation, fly up my fiance and, and assist her in also getting permanent employment once we're there. So it just sounded right. And we have, Kendra and I obviously discussed it and she said like, yeah, you, you should do it. Because the older you get, I need to find a balance between furthering my career outside of my sport yeah. as well. And yeah, the firm would give me off for any hockey activity. Oh, what a beautiful opportunity to be able to do the two yeah. things yeah, at this so, stage in your life you're called to do and not to be thousands of kilometers away from your wife-to-be uh, and in the country where the next Olympics are going to be held. I mean, you've got ambitions for 2024. Yeah, definitely. That's part of the reason why I'm also still playing abroad. I've studied too hard and worked too hard to just like no, no offense to the people who are passionate about just coaching, but just to become a head of sport at a school and those sort of things, which are often our hockey players are forced to do because they need that flexibility of being able to go on tour, but also spending a lot of time on the field where I know that I've studied so hard that I was looking for something and it's God's will, you know. I needed to study this hard. I needed to do all these mm. things and now I'm seeing seeing the reward. But definitely Paris is, is something I'm I'm looking to. You know, I'm keeping my eyes on it. I'm going to work as hard as ever to get there. And that might be the end of it. You know, maybe it's the, the swan song. But, you know, coming from a World Cup, I was like, this was amazing. I could do this again another yeah. four years. But I, I'm also very conscious of the projects and the things that I need to do outside of, of hockey. So. Yeah. Great. And also spending time with my wife-to-be. That's also important. That's also really <laughs> important. Call up prayer book. I know you've used it. Yeah. You know, maybe how have you used it? What have been maybe one of the prayers or one of the themes that you found particularly helpful in the call-up prayer book? So funny thing about the call-up prayer book, first of all. My family, there's a, there's a good background of, of, of relationship in Christ. And I always have, I have this one aunt who always like, I think she prays for all the, the kids. You know, we're 11 boy cousins, 
one. You're so blessed to be in a family like that. Yeah. Prayer warrior. Right? And one um, girl cousin. Um, but she always used to give me these scriptures and sayings to say on tour since I was probably 15 or 16. I know she's praying for me every tour. And she always used to give my dad these little papers, you know, that I need to read on tour and like I read before a game. And it was like growing up, it was like, you know, uh, all the, the Philippians, you know, those verses, things like denouncing jealousy, denouncing hatred. And I see a lot of those things that I have cooped up in my Bible, those little <laughs> stack of notes in the call up prayer book. But I, I must say the the one that I've used the most often is the pre-training prayers, you know, giving your body as a sacrifice, thanking God that you can use your body and not just everything else to glorify him. And the reason why I say that is because sometimes training is the hardest thing mm. because everyone likes to play a match. It's fun. You get to play a competitive game, but training to get up for training, you train twice a day, maybe. So to keep into context that every time I touch the field, I must still, you know, represent him. And I am still representing him, you know, in my behavior, my attitude. I can't be slouching in there, being a leader as well, you know, having to always have that. And that gives you that extra boost, you know, because it keeps you reminded that you're not doing it just for you. And then there's a lot of other things in the, in the call-up which I've had in different tours. I think for a lot of the the guys who probably in the football arena and those sort of things, I, I can't speak about the other sport codes, but just the tax that you feel, you know, when, when you're doing something for Christ, you feel attacked by the enemy trying to break you down. So again, to keep that into context, to, to keep a shield around you, protection, because if you're doing the Lord's work, sometimes you always feel like things are going wrong mm -hmm. and you need to keep it into perspective. Mm -hmm. And that helps you do that. That's great. Maybe you should get your aunt involved in the next edition that you're <laughs> hoping to do. Maybe she could give us some content. Eh? That yeah. would be amazing. We're asking all our guests this, but can you share with us a locker room worship song? You know, something that motivates you on and off the field. There's, again, it's very seasonal. Eh? Sometimes it's like you feel like you're under attack, so you play these, you know, very attacking songs, the protection ones. But I think rattling from elevation worship okay so yeah these dry bones rattle that is yeah. like power and then also the most recent i think it's kim walker protector okay. and it starts off with i come into disagreement with what the enemy says about me and i come into agreement with what you say about me and that is very powerful for me mm. because that's a reminder that because I don't think yeah. people realize that actually, I know this happens to all of us, but in sports, particularly in the height of competition, the voice of the accuser is really strong, isn't it? Yeah. Really strong. Words of condemnation, negativity are in you, often exactly. in your head and in your heart, often. One of the things that I, I relate to that is that as athletes, you ask them, what is your dream? And I sort of moved away from a dream because mm -hmm. that, again, that verse is, I know the plans I have for you, plans mm. to prosper, not to harm you. So when you come into agreement with those words, like what I'm doing is actually God's plan. It's not a dream. I'm not living a dream. This is what God had intended for me. If you can be that strong and realize that what you're doing, he planned out for you. And you that's, know, so, that's so true there. because, you know, the prayer is your kingdom come. Yeah. Your will be done. Not yeah. your dream, your will be done. Yes, exactly. On earth as it is in it. It's not a dream, yeah. it's a kingdom. Yeah, just coming to agreement and then praying becomes easier because you pray his words, his will. You often want to pray, like, help me win. That's not in the Bible. <laughs> you know, but there are, there are other things. Yeah, I think know? the kingdom of God has a very different idea of what winning looks like. Exactly. You know, so just 
keeps things in perspective for me and uh, that's one of the things I, I listen to a lot. I have a routine on tour, yeah. which is nice. Like come from team talk, have a shower before the game, play two or three songs, pray, jump on a foam roller and drink some slow mag. <laughs> <laughs> then, yeah, so <laughs> that's sort of my routine. <laughs> Keenan, it's been an absolute joy. Uh, to share with you. I wish people had been able to see us. We've been smiling and grinning all the way through this. But thank you so much for your time and God bless you as you take the next step in your journey and hopefully we'll see you in 2024 in Paris at the Olympics. Yeah, hopefully Call Up will make an appearance there. So. I hope so as well. <laughs> Cheers, thank you. God bless. The Call Up Podcast where faith meets sport and life. This is brought to you by Sports Chaplaincy South Africa. The Power of His Dream brings you here. LIA Productions. <laughs>